almost uncomfortable situations, places, so then you know what you would deal with, I think, is the best kind of way of putting it. Um, and that's what people asking me when they said before I did the swim, what what do you think is going to be harder, the row or the swim? And I was saying, well, they're different. And the reason they're different is the row I couldn't stop, the swim I can. Mm. And I want to see how I deal with that. Hello and welcome to the Helping Organisations Thrive podcast. This is your host, Julian Roberts. This podcast is to provide leaders with insights, discussions and robust strategies to help their companies thrive. We'll be interviewing business leaders, owners, experts and thought leaders in the field of business resilience. Do enjoy the episode. Welcome to Helping Organisations Thrive. Uh, today I have a, a guest who came on a number of months ago, a lady called Jasmine Harrison. Good morning to you, Jasmine. Morning. Good morning. Um, and the reason you came on last time, you were, you were the youngest lady at 21 years old to uh, row solo across the Atlantic. And uh, if that was not a, a big enough challenge, uh, you're now the, the youngest at 23 years old and the first woman to swim the entire length of the UK from Land's End to John O'Groats, a 900-mile swim. Uh, it took you 110 days, uh, you know, battling thousands of, of jellyfish, which I'm sure we'll talk about, being followed by a shark and swimming into a live sort of military exercise. Uh, and you swam anywhere between four and 12 hours a day. Uh, and so a mammoth task, a, a big journey. And, 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 and what we're going to talk about today, I think, is understanding a little bit of how you overcome those challenges you know we're always faced with challenges and are you, you you put yourself in that position but it'd be interesting to get your learnings and understanding because obviously we're all facing challenges right now and so see how you navigated it and what mindset got you through it because i know you were dogged with a whole host of stuff that uh, was came across you on your sort of three month swim but the first question i'd like to ask you is why did you do it <laughs> <laughs> oh, before, before I should force it, I'd just say well done for doing it because I think it's, it's amazing. And I say having followed you few months, last few months is amazing. So well done on, on achieving a record and, and a first thing and everything else. It's just absolutely awesome. But, yeah, why did you do – why did you sort of set out to swim 900 miles? Um, so thank you. Um, but, yeah, I decided that – I didn't really think that I'd necessarily want to do anything else after the row. Like, the row was, that was it. But everybody was kind of saying, what's next? What's next? And I was thinking, okay, well, now I did all the hard work to get the sponsors together, and it was through COVID, and, like, the preparation was so difficult for the row. And I've already kind of put in the hard work. I should do something else. Now people believe that I'm going to do something. Maybe I can find sponsors easier because that was like the biggest stress beforehand. Mm. So I was like, right, we'll do something else. And then it was, okay, what? And I was thinking, I was thinking, let's do a cycling challenge. Let's do this. And I wasn't even thinking like something massive either. Um, it was, I was thinking, oh, Landside to Shawnee Groups. Like, I'd like to do that. Something cycling like, you know, coast to coast. And I was like, okay. I'll just, I kind of went, why are you thinking of cycling? What do I do? Look, you do, you never rode before and you were doing rowing. You, I like cycling, but I wouldn't call myself a cyclist. Um, why, why am I doing these things that I don't know when I'm a swimmer? And I thought, right, 
swim. Do something swimming because that's what you know. That's what you enjoy. Like you've got the confidence. You don't necessarily need to train as much for that because I already do it all the time. Like I would swim pretty much every day, every other day without even like training for something. So it was okay. Let's do that. And then I was thinking, oh, let's travel. Let's go around the Greek islands. Let's swim around. Let's do swim between every island. And then I was like, oh, swim coast to coast. That would be brilliant. And then I thought, hang on. That's never been done before, so cool. Let's swim, like, the bottom length of the country. Um, and from, like, Margate area round to Land's End. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, hang on, I need a support boat. I still need to get crew. I'm going to have to train. I'm going to have to get sponsors for all of that. I might as well go further than that and something a bit more exciting. And it just happened to be that I was um, I met up with Sean Conway, who was the first guy that ever did this. And it kind of all just fell into place of just a bit of a, why don't you just swim Land's End to John Groves? Like, that's never been done by a female. Um, if you're already having to go to the effort of getting a boat and everything else, you might as well go big or go home, you know? Might as well do the full length of the UK. And so that kind of came about as the reasoning why it was that. But the other reasons to it, I was uh, like, I wanted to challenge myself slightly differently in the, on the row, you're in the middle of the Atlantic, um, there's no way you can go home. Like the fastest way for you to get home is to row to the finish line, which could be another 50 or in my case, 70 days later. Um, where was the swim? Because it was UK based, mm. I could have, if I wanted to give up, I could have swam into land at any point. And got out and got on it, walked, got on a train and gone home. So it was that kind of um, mental resilience of if you've been given the option to stop, would you take it? So I didn't have that challenge when I was out on the row, whereas I wanted to have that challenge now. That's interesting. So, that's, so you almost, you're putting yourself in a position where you had a choice that like when you when you committed to the row you're committed basically unless you get obviously rescued clearly from a boat but you're committed and you have no other option but to keep rowing with this you had that cho- so why did you want to put yourself in a position where you had a choice that you could give up well, that's interesting concept um, i think it's just i want to learn more about myself and how i deal with different scenarios and that was something where like in races before, it's very different. So it's just I have got out in the middle of a race before because I've not in swimming. Um, I've not felt very good. I know that I sh- I was half debating whether to even do the race because I had a really busy weekend, really good weekend, and sometimes I have taken that decision to get out halfway through and just walk down poolside and that's it. Like because I would rather not have a time than have a really bad time. Mm. And so that was kind of like, I know, I wouldn't call like giving up at all. That's just what competitive swimming is. Um, And so it was just, okay, I I just want to learn more, more about myself. How do I deal with a scenario that if I want something really badly, how easily can I be tempted to not get it mm-hmm. you know what i mean so it was a bit of a so were you, were you testing yourself in terms of i guess i suppose self-discipline am i committed to this and you know even though it's tough and i can give up 
pushing yourself in that sort of scenario, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. I was just like, it was just different, yeah, different scenario. What would you do in that place? Mm. Um, and I was kind of putting myself in almost uncomfortable situations, places, so then you know what you would deal with, I think, is the best kind of way of putting it. Um, and that's what people asking me when they said before I did the swim, what what do you think is going to be harder, the row or the swim? And I was saying, well, they're different. And the reason they're different is the row I couldn't stop, the swim I can. Mm. And I want to see how I deal with that. And, yeah. And what, and what did you learn about yourself in terms of those 110 days of swimming and with the option of I can just come out at any time? Um, I learned that the more you get yourself deeper into something, the more then you've got to lose for it. So I kind of would compare it to almost gambling. You know, you put in a pound to something and then it's not winning. So you put in another pound to something and then you're really, really desperate to get up to 10. But yeah, that's such a risk. And then the more you put in, the Mm. more you've then, you can't stop because you've got more to lose. So it was every step that I went further with the swim, the further up the coast, the more money that I've then spent doing this, the more positive thing I am closer to the end, um, the more people that I've had to involve. And like it was, we were effectively every time we're getting too far for no return so that we'd make such an effort to go out Mm. for one swim. We'd have to wait for days because of the bad weather sometimes. Um, I have to motor and get back out a 10-hour 10, 10 trip. I had to get everything sorted. I had to get the fuel, sort all out, get out, get ready. And thinking of all tiny little things of, like, to build up to that point, I'd had to get the support boat. I had to even, I've got that far. I've got the crew together. I've got the wetsuits. I've got the kit. I've done the training, everything mm. like that. To then not get in the water at three o'clock in the morning when it's miserable, it's cold, the waves are big. Like there's other people there that are there to support me. Mm. That was, yeah, you've gone too far that even if there was me slightly doubting it, that is just so irrelevant. At that moment in time, I'm the irrelevant one, even though it's my thing and everything about it. There's Mm. so much there to lose that we've got to keep on going. So Mm. by the time we get up to almost Johnny Groats, it was like, we are so close. It looked like there were so many options of like, well, not options, but kind of possibilities that it wouldn't have happened because of the horrendous weather, the fact that the drop point was so far away from where we, the only place that we could shelter on the support boat. And it was like, we need to get another boat, a boat that can handle the water better up here. Mm-hmm. So um, I was just like, I've got to, I've got to get this boat right yes it costs so much money who can we borrow that from what can we do what can we do to make this happen we've come so far now that Mm. and the thing is it's this is the difference with the gambling scenario is that we knew that if we put more in it was a guaranteed result yeah but it still wasn't quite guaranteed you know what i mean it's like it was just yeah that's interesting. And interesting the the analogy to um, to gambling because I've heard somebody say that um, actually the best gamblers, as in poker champions, those sort of people, uh, know when to quit. Um, as in they know when to 
go as a step away. Um, did you at any point along the way think I'm going to quit this? I've got the option just to quit. And it'd be interesting to understand some day. What was that? It might be many options. I don't know. And how did you keep yourself going and not quitting and keep pushing forward? Um, I knew that if I'd quitted, there would have been more problems to deal with um, in terms of, yeah, stuff like I had somebody, it was somebody else's boat and I needed to return that and get it sold. So I'm like, if I'd have just quitted, this boat is then left somewhere. I have to pay for it. Um, I have to... I've got people relying on me. I've got crew relying on me. I need to get them home and this. And it would all be effectively for nothing and would be a huge kind of big failure. And I was mm. always saying when... So we had um, a skipper that was very, very difficult. Um, and it was... He refused to go out a couple of times when actually we had perfect weather and he delayed the finish. He delayed it all by quite a lot. And that was the most frustrating thing because mm. I got into big arguments with him and I was literally like effectively screaming at him saying, look, can you go out? And just humor me, show me that this bad weather is there because I can't mm. see the Met Office can't see it, and um, a professional weather router that I've just had on the phone to you can't see it. Humor me, just go out and let's have a look. Let's just have a look, and if it's that bad, mm -hmm. back in. He was like, no, I will not go out into bad weather. Nobody does that. I'm like, there's, there's no bad weather there. There isn't. Just humor me, please. And the fact that I was screaming to him, and I said, like, look, I would rather die trying for this than not at all like i would rather go out and give something a go every single time rather than just not and accept it without trying mm. like and it was best yeah the best analogy of that is i would rather die trying to get the mm. goal on that's interesting that must be really really frustrating for you and it's interesting how you just mentioned before how your motivation for not quitting was you, you use consequences basically you're saying i have to do this it'll cost this much or all these people have come along and i'll, I'll let them down or they've got energy you didn't really say about oh so i get the the world record or i become the first lady and it's interesting i think people forget that actually motivating motivation motivation by consequences is quite a powerful tool um, more than actually the reward of something because it's the it's the loss actually. I don't want the loss. That's going to motivate me, and that got you through that, didn't it? I I don't actually care for the record. Um, I never. I didn't care for the record on the row either. The only the only reason why the records are important is because it motivates sponsors. Yeah. If a sponsor is not. If I was to swim the channel, and the channel probably costs like 10 grand or something to do, if I said to a sponsor, oh, sponsor me £10,000 to row, to, sorry, not to row, to swim across the channel, they'd be like, what makes it special? If everybody does that, why should we give you some money to do something that a lot of people have mm. done? And I'm like, okay, I need, you need a unique selling point for this. So for the row, 
I mm. had to do the row that year so that I would be the youngest. And I don't care for that. I just want to do something because I want to do it. If it's got a record to it, brilliant, because it helps with the logistics. And also, the reason why the sponsors don't cling to that is because if you've got a record, it goes more out in the news. It goes into the press, and mm. that's exactly what they want. Without having that record there, if, yes, it's still an amazing achievement. However, mm. it's really sad in the way that the world works mm. is that you wouldn't get the recognition. I know. It is. No, it's yeah. interesting, actually. That is well, interesting. Because there's sometimes I've been really proud of things, even like small things, or everybody has achievements that are really, really small, but they're massive to them and mm. just not recognised as anything. And you just need that label. And that is the way that effectively the corporate world works. Um, and so I have to play on that. Yes, you do. And so when, when you set out to this on this challenge, did you any point before you you sort of start to swim have a sense of this could not it might fail it might not work was there a a sense of oh i'm just gonna oh, i'll do this i'll make this happen or was it that i'm not entirely sure what's gonna happen here i, I, I always want to understand what people's mindset when they take on such a mammoth task where are the at when they sort of step out into that void of doing it i think it was so unknown that i didn't have anything I was just gonna see what happened you take and I remember this so for the skipper for the first couple of weeks and for um he kept on coming back as crew throughout he would just say just every day take every day as the next day once you get this swim done every swim matters focus on this swim Mm. don't think about the one after it this swim get that one done then we'll think about the next one and then that one and it's little taking everything chunks at a time mm. but the only problem is with that is if you're focusing on just the next swim you don't realize what consequences you're building up for yourself later so if i missed the swim because i actually thought i needed a rest then i missed a swim did one suddenly we had bad weather and i'd have to miss another one hang on I didn't need that rest because I'd had it before. If you just make the most of it every single time, and it was actually everybody else saying to me, no, Jasmine, one swim at a time, do that swim, do that swim, and think about it afterwards. I'm like, no, you can't, because you don't realise that we're creating problems for the future for us. Mm. And we did, by missing out swims that wasn't up to me at all. It Mm. was up to the skipper. Um, He missed so many swims that he created massive problems for me at the finish line. Mm. Not the finish line, but just for the last 60 miles, it was an unbelievable amount of problems that he caused. Just because he didn't, he was looking at each individual swim without looking further into the future. Mm. Really kind of, yeah. So that's almost a, a real learning about, because obviously whether you run a marathon swim the length of the uk it is a swim or a step at a time we know that but actually you're almost saying there this have a bit of an eye on the future or be more strategic in terms of the impact of what you're doing and how you're doing isn't it yeah exactly and it is you don't like every step if you take a bad step then that impacts later on you know i mean it's not just that one bad step that you've got to deal with it's Mm. how that affects everything else yeah, as I say, if you get injured and stuff like that, it, it all, it's the future stuff. So as you went through the swim, was there any, 
say call dark moments or tough moments. I'm sure there was, but is anyone particular that highlight to you or that comes back to you and think, actually, this is really tough and, and why was it tough? And then how did you mentally and physically get out of that and move into the more lightness of that challenge? There was points where going across the Bristol Channel, I'd been doing a 12-hour swim and, uh, and actually pointlessly, so this is like really difficult. So I did six hours, I did four hours, and then uh, the results were that I'd made like 10 miles or something and then four hours, and this was brilliant, hang on. And then he said, with the tides, you could get like, if you swam for 12 hours today, you could get like 30 miles. So brilliant, okay. Mm. I was like, right, I stayed in, and I did 12 hours. And that was brutal. I was so tired. I was cold. I'd stopped like halfway for a sandwich or no, uh, hour eight for a sandwich. And then carried on. But I was then thinking so hopeful. Right, I've made it across the Bristol Channel. I've made it to Wales. I'm so happy. I get back out and I realised that actually in the last six hours, I was swimming against the tide and I was making like less than half a mile an hour. And that was just like, and I think in that entire day, I only made 16 miles. 16 miles in 12 hours is, yeah, just over a mile an hour on average. Considering the first four hours, I was doing two and a half miles an hour. It balances out and I was so tired. But the fact that the boat disappeared off for me so much because, um, I'm not sure because, but I couldn't see them at some points and I just had to keep going. But mm. I took a jellyfish to the face and that was my first jellyfish that had really stung me, that like, mm. really hurt. And I just wanted to cry, like laid on my back and I'm like, I want to scream out loud and there's nothing they could do. There's no one around you. They can't hear you. If something was actually going wrong, I'd be in trouble. That was, that was pretty dark kind of moments in terms of that, but it was only, it was created through other people. So how, d- how did you deal with, I mean, obviously, when you're in the water, it sounded, it sounded pretty uh, traumatic. The fact you'd swim and then they'd go off and um, and and be challenging. So, how did you deal with the people side? Because obviously, this is obviously with the with the the, the row across the Atlantic. It was just you. Um, now you're bringing other people involved, and obviously, you know, people listening to this right now will be in organisations with people around them because there is people, and we have to do things with people. How did you deal with that? with them but also how did you mentally work that through with them um i would i did be really kind of diplomatic about everything this is what we do this is everything this is that but he wasn't a very good communicator at all definitely not a people person and no matter and i couldn't understand why he wasn't being clear to me or actually talking to me. He would never talk to me. It was always me saying to him, so what's the plan? What have you looked at? I've looked at this. Mm. And we compare notes on what the tides are, when the weather is good, where we need to go to the drop point, what time we need to set off. And I would say, and the, the hardest thing is also like, I would be like, right, we need to leave at five o'clock this morning. Now, there's three crew members on the boat. They should all go. So the skipper and two crew. They get the boat ready and go because I've got another good three hours worth of sleep before I'm then swimming again. So why should I get up and help do the boat and everything when I've just been swimming? This is my sleep. Mm. And I kind of wake up like 
automatically. I shouldn't be, but I was like, mm, I felt like I've slept too long now. We're not moving. Wake up, it's gone. Six o'clock. And I'm like, I have to then get everybody up on the boat. Come on, let's go. Let's move. We've got places to be. Look, I've already missed out an hour on my swim. Let's go. Let's go. Mm. And to be counted with, oh, it doesn't matter. We'll still get there for the um, for the fastest bit of the tide. Oh, it doesn't matter. Um, don't worry. Uh, oh, I calculated that we've got some time spare. And it was all just that all the time. And he said that he had the same goal as me to get to the finish, but he didn't. He wasn't there for getting me to the finish line. I think he enjoyed having effectively a free ride and building up miles. And that was really kind of difficult because I thought I'd dealt with it. Mm. You think you make that communication. Yeah, this is the plan. You get in, mm. somebody else does the exact opposite to the plan. And it's like, how how is this working? And then the fact that there'd be times that he'd make a decision and he would purposely not tell me. And he would also tell the other crew members not to tell me. Mm. So my main crew, James, that was with me the whole time, we shared a cabin as well. He, um, I'd come, he'd come in from a watch and I'd say, what's going on? I've looked at my Navionics app that tells me GPS location, where we go and what's going on. It said, well, um, he said that this, oh, I can't think of a scenario. But he also said that um, to not tell you that, like, Bex, my kayaker, won't be in the water with me on the next swim. Mm. Why not tell me that? Why don't you tell me it now? Because mm. I'm going to have to, I'm going to know when I get in the water and my kayaker's not in the water with me. Mm. Or, like, I, you know what I mean? I'm like, we're on a small boat. Why are you telling somebody, my friend, my crew member, to mm. keep secret? when it's something that should not be a secret it doesn't matter at mm. all like i just don't understand and it's little things like that but, and i come out and i say oh uh so what's going on and then i would actually try and make him feel better about the decision he made by saying do you think that bex should not come in the water with me so that she can then be a crew member and doing the night shift this time and stuff like that and he'd be like that's what i'm doing i'm like okay brilliant cool and I hope, and I was trying to build up that relationship of look, mm. this is what we can work something. We're both on the same page here, and mm. he still kept see, he still purposely refused to tell me things. We'd make a plan, and he would tell the crew the plan without ever telling me. And I'm like, we tell the crew mm. when I was asleep. It's interesting, isn't it? Because it, it's almost it, I don't know how you would describe this, but what you're sharing, it feels like it's it was almost like a toxic uh, work culture. You know, yeah. people were doing their own thing, people weren't communicating, and uh, it's which is for whatever reason it's created. So from from that, you know, if you were to do this sort of exercise again or something similar, what what are your lessons of? from that that you can take forward actually when i do something like this again i will do this this and this well i kind of knew these problems before i started thinking the crew we've got to get crew like you've got to got to really want this like this is important but the issue that i found was that even if i prepared for longer and even if I'd have properly interviewed and met everybody, it would have, one, cost a lot more, two, it would have cost a lot more time. But three, 
I had, I think, five skippers that confirmed that they were going to do the entire three months for me. So I'd spoke to them on the phone, we'd had conversations, I'd even met a couple of them in person. It was all good, it was all a go. And for some reason or another, each one had to drop out for something. So one's um, mother got sick, and so we literally had to, like, take care of her and take put her in a care, all of this stuff. So, like, it's too much going on right now. It just retired, and then he was still, tr- like, easing back out of work and transferring. So that was one. There was another one um, that had a full free summer with no work, and mm. then um, we'd agreed, we were sorting everything out. Two weeks later, they got in a job that was worth, like, 10 grand or something for, like, mm. two worth of work and he was like this is two weeks right in the middle but i've got to prepare for it then there was the after and then i'm like that's right in the middle of the challenge okay you can't skip it so the even the thing that i would effectively have learned from this was the people be more prepared get to know the people more however that's so impossible especially when it's volunteered in what i was doing anybody that one has the skills to be able to do it but two, as a kind of person that you want to do it with, are probably already doing their own fun stuff, to be honest. Like, anybody adventurous or willing to do something basically bonkers, what I was doing, something against every kind of yachting thing, mm. is somebody in the water instead of keeping everybody on the boat. You know, it's a complete opposite to what you've meant to do. And yeah. um, to find somebody like that over a summer everybody's already got their own cool stuff going on. Like, there's so many people that like, I'd spoke to and said, oh, sorry, I'm just off to this country to go and do this Iron Man, or mm. I'm actually taking a boat over to Polynesia or somewhere, and I'm like, mm. hey, fair enough. So I'm looking for crew to bring the boat back down from Scotland. I've texted a couple of people, and somebody just replied then. I just saw it come up saying, sorry, I've got I've agreed to go on another boat on Monday, and mm. all of this. I'm like, the people that would make it happen and what I effectively have learned from this, there's, I couldn't have done it in another way, you mm. know, um, and learning for myself how to deal with people. I think I set boundaries and rules from the beginning. Um, I tried to anyway, but it's what can I do to make somebody really listen, let them kind of be a part of it. It's really difficult. It's like there's no working environment that I'm sure the similarities cross over. And people probably listen, well, if effectively I was his boss, however, your employee never has your life in his hands. You know? No, no. And I think I think you're you're obviously in a situation that's fairly um unusual. Um but it, it seems that there's obviously some sort of certainly apart from the lack of communication of from his point of view but also this seemed like a misalignment of of purpose and goal and often where organizations or teams start to fail is where people have their own interests and um, no and not aligned to one core purpose and as much as you you know is getting that team or those people those group aligned to the same purpose if we're all aligned to the same purpose then we're all going the right direction. It's when people have their own ideas or I want to go this way, I want to go that way. Then you start having this difficulties. Um, What just on the whole sort of trip, were you surprised by yourself by anything? Um, Not by, not what you face, but by yourself and how you dealt with things or how you accomplished something so big. Yeah. 
I was really surprised at how quickly I adapted to being there, to being in the water. Um, so the first swim, it took me so long to prepare for it. He was all kind of nervous. It was like, right, I'm going to eat a massive bowl of pasta. I've got to eat before I get in the water. It was also well done. And within a couple of days, that just went. Like, I was like, right, I just need a Snickers. That's it. That'll fuel me for six hours. I don't care. I'd rather sleep this. And then I would. I could get ready for a swim within 10 minutes from waking up to get in the water, to doing something. And it surprised me, like, how easily I could actually get in the water, how easily I could get up and just keep on going. Because mm. um, I think now, and what's really daft is, like, had a busy day yesterday. I was up from like six to like one in the morning, like working all day. And um, I was just like, I'm so tired. And I didn't want to wake up this morning. I'm, like, I'm so tired. I'm thinking, hang on. I've still had like eight hours sleep, seven, seven, eight hours sleep. Like that's quite a lot. Considering before I was swimming 12 hours a day and having broken <laughs> three hours sleep there, three hours sleep there, and I did that for five days in a row, mm. how am I struggling so much here? <laughs> and you always do, you know, when you've got, like, an early morning, oh, I've got to get up at, like, five or something. You're like, oh, I best go to sleep early. I need to do this, like, get all prepared so we don't mm. have to on and everything like that to think, hang on, I was doing three hours sleep continuously, getting up, and it was, it, it, I wouldn't say it was fine, but I was capable of it. Mm. And it's where your mind goes to what you have to do to make something okay mm. like the goal so, for that is so strong yeah you must you're almost reframing something into into your normal life so well i i, I managed to do this on whatever four hours sleep before and, and it just shows you the the reality of how much we can really do uh, and how far we can push ourselves obviously it's important to sleep and rest i appreciate all that but actually our mind is quite powerful isn't it and just by reframing something it can sort of diminish the challenge ahead of you and i'm sure now when you get challenges in your day-to-day life you can think back to when you rode the atlantic when you swam the length of the uk and go well if i can do that or actually it's not as hard as that because i did this and it yeah. must help you and, and it's it's a it's a good thing for people out there that actually doing challenges whether that's from a you know walking, running 5K to whatever, it doesn't matter how it, where you're at, it's, it's where you're at. As long as something makes you feel uncomfortable, actually those challenges will be will help you for the future in terms of when you face other challenges because you can just look back and go, well, I overcome that, I did this. I mean, do, do you find that helps with you in terms of what you do? Yeah, exactly. That's, so when I did the Atlantic, I would say, look, anything less than 3,000 miles rowing across the Atlantic will be easy. Like, was it as hard as this? Was it as difficult as that? And it's that benchmark that you set. Mm. Um, with the swim, more benchmarks have been set in in many different scenarios as well. And I'm like, yeah, you compare it to that. I used to do it to other people. You think it could always be worse. It could always be mm. worse. I could be living in, um, I could be in poverty basically like we've got it pretty good here so whatever challenge that you're facing you, you know you've, you're still at the end of the day it boils down to you're alive you've got water you're breathing you know that's what i think it comes down to because there is always people a lot worse off than you 
and everybody else is facing other challenges. And I've kind of taken using other like severe scenarios to my own challenges of thinking, mm. right, yeah, if I've done that, then I could do this. And it is, it's putting these levels and reaching the next level mm. every time. Um, and, we, and between the rowing the Atlantic and swimming the length of the UK, and they're probably slightly, they are obviously very different. What would you put as the hardest out of those two? Um, it's really difficult because you forget on the row. I forget some of the big challenges until I really think about it and go, that day was miserable. And then I think that was the most miserable day of my life and doing, having to do something. Mm. Um, like, so I was having to row against the weather just to get away from a storm so I didn't have to be sat in power and go for another five days and stuff like that. And, like, the wind was always not in my favour and it was being thrown off my seat and I was just screaming at the ocean. I remember that as, like, such an awful time. But then I think, hang on, how frustrated the skipper made me and how much I just wanted to be swimming and then how tired I was having to do it because so many other people were relying on it. Mm. Bro, I could have slept all the time. I didn't... It could, I mean, it would have taken me longer, but I could have slept a lot more mm. than swim, whereas a swim was so, so time-critical with the tides, with mm. everything. The, yeah, timings of getting the boat out there, they were both difficult in different ways. Mm. The rowing was the physical rowing was harder than the physical swimming. Okay. However, I got more pain on the swimming because I had, like, chafing in my armpits, not mm. much older. Um, so, yeah, they're very even. Okay. What, what excites you about doing these extreme goals, Jasmine? Um, I like the adventure of it. I like the unknown. I kind of, I don't like to go into something being fully prepared. That sounds mm-hmm. strange. Like, if you know what it is or what's going to happen, then it kind of ruins it. I like to almost, yeah, take something as it comes. Um, and figure that out as you go. Like, yeah, I don't really think about something really until it's happening and you deal with it when it's happening. I just, mm. I do know my capabilities before that. So, yeah, it excites me that it is, yeah, you don't know what's going to happen and it could be the adventure of a lifetime. It could, yeah, and you just deal with it. And I enjoy having to deal with that. Brilliant. I, yeah. that's, that's great. I like and that's why you, you do what you do because you, you do things which are, unknown and or, or fraught with lots of uncertainty um and i know we all face uncertainty in, in different ways uh, but it, it's not so much how we react it's how we respond which is obviously what you've just been sharing um what was next for you on the the adventure calendar have you got anything in mind yet or a thought about that yeah uh, to be fair i, th- I thought you might <laughs> <laughs> um i thought about before the swim um, before I'd even got slightly organised with the swim, I got an idea of something that I wanted to do. Um, and, yeah, basically the first thing is I need to get the boat back. I need to go up to Scotland next week and bring the boat back down. Now, sailing a 1,000 miles in the UK in winter is a pretty big challenge itself. Um, so that's, yeah, the next, and it's so imminent that, and it, that in itself is a massive challenge, particularly because I've not sailed for a long time. I've never really sailed in UK waters and I've never done it when it's freezing cold and miserable with this much traffic and everything like mm. that. So that's a big challenge and that's literally next week. Um, mm. But after that, 
I have an idea that I really want to do. However, unless I can simply get the sponsorship for it, because that's a bit that I hate is all the admin is everything like that. Mm. If I can get the sponsorship very easily, then um, relatively easily is never going to be easy. Mm. Um, then I want to do something else, but that won't be for another two years. Okay. Uh, it's quite a lot of preparation time and the preparation it's time in itself is a big challenge. Um, is that on land or sea? Uh, the preparations on land, the actual thing, yeah, we'll be out at sea. Okay. I will look forward to uh, seeing what that might be in the next uh, coming years. Um, thank you for coming on today and appreciate uh, what you've done. And I say well done again for swimming 900 miles off the uh, coast of the UK. It's amazing from the Land's End to John O'Groats and uh, getting world records and firsts and everything else. Uh, perhaps you should win, swim all the way around the the UK, like Ross Edgley did, that's perhaps another challenge in itself. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, but yeah, thank you for coming on today. Much appreciated for your time, yeah. Justin. No, it's been good. Nice to talk to you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. If you do like this episode, then please do rate, review, and share with your friends and colleagues. As a coaching practice, we coach high-performing leaders and teams with extreme ambitions will help you to go beyond what you believe is possible. If this sounds like you, then let's have a conversation with me. Contact me at julianrobertsconsulting.com.